Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Glitch Report. My name is Nitwit. Thank you so much for stopping by, saying hi, kicking it with me today on the show, the show of shows. And man, it's been a week. It's been a week. So it's been like my week has felt like multiple weeks, fortunately. But that's okay. Uh, you're here. I'm here. And uh, we're going to talk some damn video games, some damn video gaming news. But first, a little bit of an update. On Friday, um, the show comes out on on podcast and video forms on Friday. And uh, on Fridays, I'm still working, cranking out content, videos, all that jazz. Um, so often I'm streaming uh, Friday mornings. You know, I stream Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time over at twitch.tv slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T over at my channel. So here's the problem. The problem was I was streaming some Destiny 2, uh, as I've been known to do on Friday, and my graphic card, my Zotac 3080 graphics card just completely died. Just shit in the bed. And uh, I thought it was the graphics card when uh, I started having these issues because when I was playing Destiny 2, and you can you can check it out. Let's see, just adjust this camera. Uh, you can check out the stream over at my uh, Twitch channel if you want to see about an hour of me playing Destiny 2 before the stream dies. But basically, what happened was uh, I'm streaming, playing Destiny 2, and all of a sudden the game crashes. The stream crashes as well, but I can still hear the game audio. So I can still hear the game audio, and it leads me to believe that there's something wrong with the graphics card. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have another graphics card. I didn't have another graphics card. I didn't have another computer to test some of this stuff on. So instead, um, I just contact the manufacturer, and I'm like, yo, what up, Zotac? Uh, I got this 3080 um, that's still within two-year warranty. Actually, just barely within two-year warranty. I think, uh, I think my warranty ends on the 21st. So... I have to go send in this graphics card to Zotac and uh, I'm assuming they're going to send me back another card. I'm assuming they're going to do something uh, because this card is is hooped. Uh, I did take it to a local computer store near me and uh, they swapped out my graphics card, put another graphics card in and said, yeah, I mean, your computer boots and all that jazz. So, um, well, I wasn't sure what to do. So instead, I went out and I bought a uh, RTX. 3090 from Asus. This is actually a 3090 Ti, and uh, boy, this graphics card is way more powerful than uh, my previous card, uh, which is crazy. Because I was pretty happy with you know the performance I was getting out of my card. One of the things though that I noticed was that you know I have a, and I don't mean to get like graphics talk at the top of the show, um, but I feel like we talk more about graphics and the graphic options that are presented uh, to uh, people who play games now more than ever, because there's a lot of graphics options on a PlayStation five, go fire up uh, God of war Ragnarok. And you will be surprised at just how many graphics options are at your disposal. Spider-Man miles Morales, same thing. Um, so, and, and, and here's the thing is like, I don't think graphics are make or break um, for games. Um, I think people are going to be happy with, you know, a variety of setups that work for them. For me, I play in 1080p. One of the reasons I play in 1080p is because when I'm making game uh, videos on, you know, or streaming on Twitch or YouTube or the podcast, like this stuff comes out in 1080p anyways, right? Like you're going to watch this video. If you, if you watch the YouTube video of this podcast, it is in 1080p, so it doesn't make sense for me to output any further than, you know, than 1080p. I'm not doing 4K or or any of that stuff. So I play in 1080p. The trade-off is instead of having a lower, for, for having a lower resolution for not playing in 4K, I play at a significantly higher frame rate. You know, games are on average between 30 to 60 frames per second. 30 frames per second if you're playing Gotham Knights, 60 frames a second if you're playing Call of Duty. Some people swear that they can't even see that type of uh, of change uh, in, in how smooth the game looks in terms of frame rate. For me, I personally can, and I prefer it if it's even faster than 60, so I play typically at 144 frames per second. It is smooth, 
it is fast and to me it looks really good um even if the frame rate or sorry even if the resolution is a little bit lower than um you know than than 4k or something like that so because of that i you know have a powerful computer that allows me to to output at a at a high frame rate um with the graphic settings up very high and stuff like that obviously if i was playing at 4k I could probably get about 4K 60 frames per second, um, which is which is great, but also not super useful again because I am making videos in, in 1080p anyways. Now, if you are watching one of my videos, if you're watching one of my streams, you will not actually see that frame rate. So if you watch me play Destiny, you won't actually see it at 144 frames because I'm capturing it at 60 frames per second. 60 frames per second is kind of the, the, the maximum that something like YouTube uh, allows for videos to be made in. You can go higher in terms of resolution and in fact you should go over to my youtube channel and check out my uh forza horizon 5 4k ray tracing max graphic settings because in that video i show off some of the new graphic updates that have been made to forza horizon 5 and also i now have a powerful computer enough to uh, reliably record 4k um, 60 frames a second videos uh outputted and rendered in 4k so it's probably the nicest looking video I've ever made. And, and I don't know if I'm going to keep making those videos because again, I play in 1080p anyways, and I probably wouldn't be able to stream it uh, while playing at that level. Anyways, uh, in terms of ray tracing, in terms of what ray tracing does in terms of graphics, ray tracing is kind of like a real time uh, light management system uh, for graphics. So when you, when you play a game um, that doesn't have ray tracing, the lighting is kind of predetermined. The lighting is kind of baked into a game. Even if you're, you know, moving a light source around in the game, let's say you're, you're moving around a, a, uh, you know, a flashlight or, or something like that. Uh, the lighting is kind of baked into the environment, but with something like ray tracing, ray tracing is actually, uh, reflecting and bouncing off, uh, you know, kind of organically and kind of naturally. So imagine a scenario where we're dealing with car headlights in something like Forza Horizon or the sun setting, the sun rising in, 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 or something like that. Um, you can end up with some really terrific, more natural, realistic looking lighting in some games. Another great example of uh, ray tracing is go look at uh, Quake 2, uh, Quake 2 RTX, the Quake 2 RTX demo. Uh, looks just terrific. It's an old game, uh, but also colored lighting was, you know, was a standard set by Quake 2. So let ray tracing be kind of a standard set by Quake 2 to some extent. Now, you can also get ray tracing on the consoles. So, for example, if you fired up Spider-Man Miles Morales on a PlayStation 5, uh, the, the new consoles are, are able to, uh, I, they're not really new anymore, but... Again, people are playing PlayStation 4s and, and Xbox Ones and, and Switches and all that stuff. So I, I feel like it's important to say like the PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series X, those consoles are capable of uh, doing um, uh, ray tracing. You lose a lot of frame rate and a lot of smoothness in, in the overall gameplay when you do that, but you end up with really pretty lighting. So um, in the case of something like consoles, you're often picking between resolution, frame rate, and ray tracing uh, if the game supports it. Whereas if you have a PC, you can kind of just brute force your way uh, into getting a lot of that stuff uh, by just having a, you know, a fucking ridiculous graphics card like I now have. Um, obviously, it is not the latest and greatest graphics card. We are dealing with RTX 4090s uh, and stuff like that that are coming out, out on the market now. I, I, you know what? I didn't even look. I was just like, just get me this. I'll be happy. No complaints. Um, so on and so forth. So, uh, I'm back streaming. I'm back. You know, I was able to recover after, after the disastrous, uh, day that was, uh, Friday. Um, and we're going to be continuing to make videos, going to continue to make the podcast streaming and all of that stuff. There will be no stream today after I've done, uh, recording this show. Typically I do a stream after the podcast is over. Uh, that will not be happening because I am going to breakfast. Well, I guess it'll be brunch by the time I'm out of here. How late does brunch, like, would you go have brunch at one? No, right? You wouldn't have brunch at one. I'm not going to be having brunch at one anyways, but, uh, that's what I'm going to be doing today. I'm going to be eating food instead of playing video games, which maybe that's for the, for the best. Um, we got some big news today. Uh, the AEW fight forever. Uh, game is still not out. 
No idea when it's coming out, but we have some new uh, rumors and speculation around that game's release. We're also going to be talking about Nintendo's Indie World Showcase, uh, the disaster that is uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter, uh, Google Stadia, Doom Eternal, Halo, and a bunch of other stuff. So let's kick it off right now. I want to get this new story out of the way because it's it's not really a new story because there's not a lot to go off of, um, but here we go. AEW Fight Forever, uh, the game, uh, may be coming to Xbox Game Pass on day one. So, uh, on, what was it? On, what day was the 8th? That was Monday. No, that was Tuesday. Excuse me. On Tuesday, um, uh, wrestling news site WrestleZone uh, was making a claim that according to its sources, the upcoming THQ Nordic wrestling game will be out on Xbox Game Pass's subscription service on day one. Uh, they've talked about how Fight Forever is coming to consoles, PlayStation and Xbox, and PC. Might even be coming to Switch. I uh, don't know for sure. But we don't have a date yet for it. We don't know when this game is coming out. Uh, we don't know what the final cover art is going to look like because the final cover art currently has CM Punk on it. And... I don't think CM Punk is long for for AEW, but this is not a this is not a wrestling podcast. This is a video game podcast, damn it. So let's not talk about that. But anyways, the idea, the rumors were that uh, according to WrestleZone, that uh, AEW Fight Forever was going to be coming out on Game Pass on day one. I don't know if they were talking about Xbox and PC, just Xbox, just PC. It's really hard to say. Typically with stuff like this, it, it usually comes out on both. Um, so that was earlier in the morning. That was like Tuesday at 10 a.m. Uh, 12 hours later, the AEW Games official Twitter account said uh, that it is that it doesn't currently anticipate the game being part of any monthly gaming subscription service and that more news about the title will be revealed in an official update on November 19th. Now, if you're wondering what is going on November 19th, November 19th is AEW's uh, pay-per-view full gear. Um, so sure. Why not save it for the pay-per-view? I guess it better be a big announcement for a, a pay-per-view, but, um, you know, there's not a lot to go off of. We still have no idea when this game's coming out. We don't really have a lot of gameplay, uh, impressions to go off of either. Um, so this is barely a news story, but you know, people were kind of running with the idea that, uh, uh including myself uh, at one point that, uh, you know, it was going to come out on game pass and, and that might not be the case. I think it should come out on game pass. I think AEW has a tremendous opportunity. If this game is good, if this game is good, it should come out on game pass. If this game is bad, it should not come out on game pass. And let me tell you why. AEW has a tremendous opportunity right now to capture, you know, a lot of wrestling fans' attention and a lot of the the sports gaming marketplace with this game. There's a possibility that AEW Fight Forever converts, you know, kind of miserable, uh, you know, wrestling gaming fans uh, into AEW fans. The reason why I say this is because those WWE games have not been great. WWE 2K22, a step in the right direction, but not, not enough in some cases. So if you take, you know, the idea that, you know, people are very hungry for a good wrestling game into consideration and this idea that, you know, AEW wants to continue to grow its, its fan base, wants people to watch Dynamite on Wednesdays, watch Rampage on Tuesdays. Um, buy the pay-per-views, you know, and all that stuff. Um, I think you could get a lot of new fans uh, by having a good wrestling game on a service like Xbox Game Pass, like a service uh, like PlayStation Plus, if, if they go that route too. If the game's bad, why, why even bother, right? You know, you might as well, because like it's going to sell a pre, it's almost a pre, I don't know if it's predetermined, but like, the reason why those WWE games have come out in the state that they've been in for years and years is because, you know, WWE knows that a certain number of fans are going to buy it regardless of, of quality to some extent. Um, and maybe AEW is able to look at pre-order numbers and stuff like that and say, well, we know X amount of people are going to buy the game, um, which makes Game Pass not worth it, makes, you know, subscription service not worth it. 
Um, we also know that this game is not going to be great, so we might as well get the money up front because there's a good possibility that people aren't even going to download and engage with, even try, Fight Forever if it is not a great game, even if it is on something like Game Pass. So I think they have a great opportunity, but again, we don't know if this game is going to be any good or not. And uh, the longer we wait to find out about it, more I think that like, you know, you've seen movies where it's like this movie was not screened for critics. And, and sometimes when movies aren't screened for critics and they just come out on theaters or, or something like that, they're fine. They're great. They're whatever. Uh, sometimes they're horrible. Uh, it's really hard to determine. Um, you know, AEW Fight Forever is not going to be an annualized uh, game like something like WWE uh, 2K games are. Uh, so there is a possibility that if it comes out they and it is bad, they can, you know, continue to work on it and, and turn it around and not ask people for, you know, 60, 70, 80 dollars the next time uh, a game comes out. But uh, we shall see. Uh, Nintendo did an indie world showcase. Now, an indie world showcase is typically like a, a press conference, a, a video presentation around some upcoming games, uh, you know, brought to you by Nintendo in some way, shape or form. In this scenario, uh, it was the indie game. So smaller uh, games that are coming out on Switch. And we're talking over 20 games were talked about at this presentation. This presentation uh, happened on... Da, 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 Wednesday. Wednesday was the uh, was the presentation. Uh, there were three games shown at that presentation that are out now on Nintendo Switch. Rogue Legacy 2, which is out on a variety of consoles. Rogue Legacy 2. Um, people seem to really, really like Rogue Legacy 2. I've not had a chance to play it yet, but I did fucking love Rogue Legacy 1. So I am looking forward to checking out Rogue Legacy 2 at some point. Uh, Rogue Legacy 2 also now out on uh, out of early access. So it was out in early access for a while, and now it is out uh, for real in the final version. Um, so Rogue Legacy 2 out now on Switch. Uh, puzzler game, uh, a little to the left, and Once Upon a Jester were all games shown at the Indie World Showcase that are now out on uh switch so if you are looking forward to those games go check them out and then there are like i said like 20 other uh games that were announced shown off in some way shape or form at that showcase what else we got oh yeah so twitter you know it you love it you hate it you it's probably a bit of both so if you don't know elon musk bought twitter um and i'm not a financial analysis expert uh, but it seems to me that Elon Musk paid way, way too much for Twitter. Uh, the man may be the richest man in the world, whatever that means um, in terms of uh, money. Um, but the man bought Twitter for $44 billion, which seems like a lot of money, which seems like a lot of money. And one of the things that Elon Musk has been trying to do, uh, and I'll tie this to video games in just a moment, but what... Elon Musk has been trying to do is find a way to get money out of this service that he now bought, this company that he now bought. Um, one of the ways he's been trying to do that is cut a lot of labor, cut a lot of the workforce. Uh, there have been reports that they've actually had to go back and try to rehire some of the people that they have fired and, and let go because Elon Musk's ideas around uh, new features and services for Twitter uh, require, you know, manpower to do it. And they simply don't have those people or the people that were best equipped to to integrate these new ideas and services are no longer with the company. One of the other reasons, uh, sorry, uh, one of the other ways excuse me, one of the other ways that Elon Musk is trying to get money out of this is by revamping the Twitter Blue subscription service. Twitter Blue uh, is about $10 a month in Canada, about eight bucks a month in the United States. And it now gives you the blue checkmark verification uh, that previously reputable accounts and uh, people, brands, that sort of thing, would receive just by being authentic, right? Pepsi is verified on Twitter because they are motherfucking Pepsi, right? Donald Trump, when he was on Twitter, this is a bad example, but Donald Trump, when he was on Twitter, was the real Donald Trump because he had the blue check mark and, and all that shit. So now we live in a world where pretty much anybody can get the blue verification check mark without actually being real and authentic. And we've started to see some gaming companies, specifically Nintendo and Valve, Valve, the people who make Steam, 
um, uh, start to see fake Twitter accounts, fake verified Twitter accounts pop up in the wake of the blue verification. Now, Twitter did implement something where if you go to the profile and you click on the blue check mark, it'll tell you if this uh, account purchased Twitter blue or if it is a real authentic verification account. But again, it's a, it's it's like barely a two tier system because it looks the same. You have to go to the profile and click on it to see if it is legit or not. So the reason I bring this up is because there was a uh, very popular tweet going around from uh, fake Nintendo of America that showed Mario giving the middle finger. I know this is a uh, podcast, um, so go look up this image if you want, but it's just just Mario flipping the bird, and it says Nintendo of America, blue check mark. Now the handle is at Nintendoofus, so if you looked closely, you would be like, oh yeah, that's not real. That's that's 100% not real. Um, but on, you know, on a surface level, it shows... Verified Nintendo of America sharing a picture of Nintendo flipping the flipping the bird. Um, Valve was also caught in this um, with a fake account tweeting that they were bringing back uh, Ricochet, uh, not the wrestler, but the game. Um, so be careful out there on Twitter. It is a wild, wild place, and um, don't get caught with fake bullshit. Even though. Uh, Twitter was already rampant with fake bullshit before Elon Musk bought any of it. So just just be safe out there. Let's talk about Google Stadia for just a very, very brief moment. Uh, Google Stadia is now in the process of uh, processing Stadia refunds ahead of its service closure. It says the majority of customers should get their money back by mid-January. So if you bought Stadia, um, there's a good possibility that you won't even need to contact Google. You may not even need to contact Google because they will just process your refund automatically if you purchase it through their store. That is all I really have to say about Google Stadia. Um, Doom Eternal. God, this is a complicated story. How are we going to cover this? Okay. First of all, if you like heavy metal music and you like Satan and the devil and being a bad motherfucker, you should do a couple of things. One, you should go play Doom uh, 2016. Doom 2016 one of the best first-person shooters out there on PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox, you know, one, all that stuff. Doom uh, 2016 is is a tricky, hard, uh, but badass uh, first-person shooter. Uh, one of the best Doom games out there. One of the best first-person shooters out there. Um, but Mick Gordon, composer Mick Gordon... Um, also made an incredible soundtrack to go with uh, Doom. So if you like heavy metal music, you like uh, rocking out and all that stuff, you should check out uh, the Doom soundtrack. Doom Eternal is the sequel to uh, 2016's Doom, in which Mick Gordon, in some uh, in some way, shape, or form, came back to work with developer id Software on the uh, music. And this is where things get messy. This is a new story out of Video Games Chronicles. Doom Eternal composer accuses id Software director of lying about the original soundtrack's failure. Mick Gordon claims he was offered six figures to stay quiet, but refused. So you might notice that the Doom Eternal soundtrack sounds like a Mick Gordon soundtrack to some extent, but not quite in some ways. You know, not all the songs have that you know, stank to them the way that, you know, Mick Gordon brought it on the uh, Doom 2016 soundtrack. First of all, I just love that we can like live in a world now where we can just like talk about video game music like it is actual music. You know, there's tons of terrific video game music out there. Um, I listened to the Tetris, uh, uh, Tetris effect, um, you know, music, you know, all the time. I listened to uh, the music from, um, uh, uh, guacamelee quite frequently. If you want to go like get pumped up, go to the gym or whatever. Yeah. Go listen to the doom soundtrack. Cause it's amazing. Um, I am a really big fan of that Tetris, uh, effect, uh, soundtrack. That's a, that's fabulous, but it works better in the game. Uh, whereas some of the stuff is also good standalone. So user, uh, the composer of doom eternal has accused id software director of lying, uh, the soundtrack was included as part of the collector's edition of the game, promising lossless and uncompressed audio files featuring composer Mick Gordon's music. 
However, when the soundtrack was released, players complained that only 11 of the 59 tracks had been mixed by Gordon himself, while the rest had been mixed from the music fragments taken from the game. In May of 2020, id Software Studio Director Marty Stratton posted a lengthy statement on Reddit claiming that Gordon had delayed the soundtrack, then underdelivered, forcing id to get the game's lead audio designer to make up the rest of the tracks, um, which I would be willing to believe because not all of it sounds like Mick Gordon did it. However, in a detailed statement posted today on his own medium, uh, medium page, Gordon has refuted Stratton's claims and is accusing him of not only lying about the situation, but also offering him a six-figure uh, sum to stay quiet. So one of the problems with Doom Eternal is that it was on a very tight budget and it was on a very tight uh, development cycle. It did not have, like, Doom 2016 was in development for fucking forever. And when it came out, it was incredible. And when Doom Eternal came out, it was not so incredible. Um, a lot of it was due to the fact that, you know, just a lot of the gameplay ideas and mechanics that they implemented were just not... There was too much game in Doom Eternal. I would I would say that first and foremost. Like, if you really like Doom 2016, then then maybe you're going to like Doom Eternal. Um, I love Doom 2016, and I, Doom Eternal ain't, ain't all that, unfortunately. Um, according to Gordon, Doom Eternal was a difficult project to compose the score for because it allegedly required him to provide two levels worth of music per month, despite most of the game not existing yet. Gordon claims that the continuing changing development of the game led to numerous rewrites that need to continually, oh sorry, and the need to continually scrap submitted music and that he had proposed a different schedule. Uh, Stratton allegedly criticized his ability to do the work. So basically Mick Gordon was like, dude, if you guys are going to make this game like this, I can't, I can't do it. And then Stratton was like, Marty Stratton was like, you fucking, you gotta, uh, he rejected my belief that the current schedule was flawed and suggested my act of trying to do something about it was a sign of incompetence. Refusing to accept the reality of the situation, he threw the proposal back in my face and proceeded to tear me down for having the audacity to raise the issue in the first place. I'm assuming that's because Marty Stratton was probably under a load of shit trying to get Doom out the door. Um, Gordon also claims that he wasn't paid until eight months into the project and that wasn't paid again for another 11 months. Uh, he then goes on to discuss Bethesda's E3 2019 showcase in which it announced the collector's edition of Doom Eternal, which would include Mick Gordon's original Doom Eternal soundtrack. According to Gordon, the standalone uh, original soundtrack wasn't in production and I hadn't been offered a contract to produce it. In fact, we hadn't talked about the scope, the time frame, or whether it was even feasible. Um... Gosh, this is just a continued mess. Like, apparently they used four hours and 46 minutes of his music, but only paid him for two hours and 22 music, uh, two, or two hours and 22 minutes. Just a giant mess. You can read the rest of it over at Video Games Chronicles, but um, I I think Mick Gordon is probably telling the truth. I think Marty, Marty was probably, you know, being honest with him about what was going on. The problem is that it was a really fucked situation around Doom Eternal. And if you go play Doom Eternal, again, it feels like a game that was kind of uh, rushed, half-baked, uh, with some bad ideas thrown into it as well. It's a technically competent game. It looks great. You know, you're shooting demons and going to hell and back and all the stuff that you do in Doom Eternal. It just doesn't have that je ne sais quoi that, uh, that Doom 2016 had. And I think part of it is because of a lack of uh, Mick Gordon's music. Animal Crossing. Let's talk about Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing New Horizon is now ja uh, Japan's best-selling game of all time. Previously, the best-selling game of all time was the Pokemon uh, Game Boy titles Red and Green, having sold 10.23 million copies. And now Nintendo is, uh, according to Game Data Library, uh, a website that... Uh, collects uh, Japanese sales data. According to the site, New Horizons has now sold 10.45 million copies. The Switch continues to be super popular. You know, the Switch is the hottest Nintendo console. Like, it is getting up there with, like, Nintendo Wii levels of of success, uh, which is super crazy to see. Um, 
Oh, also Nintendo, uh, you know, Nintendo is also claiming that there was a high ratio of digital sales for New Horizons. So a lot of people buying it digitally, which makes sense when Nintendo uh, put out Animal Crossing. It was like we were just starting this pandemic. So why go to the Best Buy? Why go to the EB games, the game stops, the whatever, just why even have Amazon deliver it when you could just download it digitally? Like it was 80 bucks when it came out, regardless whether you got it digitally or or, or physically, right? So um, it makes a lot of sense for people to buy uh, Animal Crossing uh, digitally. Uh, according to Nintendo's latest sales numbers released this week, Animal Crossing has sold 40.17 million copies globally. Um, that suggests more than 35% of Switch users have purchased the game. Now, again, we're talking about how Animal Crossing is the best-selling game in Japan. Um, but also, it has sold 40.17 million copies. That is fucking massive. Uh, good job, Nintendo. Um, way to way to keep that uh, Nintendo Switch train a-rolling. Whereas the 343 Industries uh, train is at times off the rails, if not grinding to what feels like a complete halt. 343 thanks fans for patience as Halo Infinite finally adds long-awaited features. Uh, Halo Infinite came out like last year. Like this time last year, um, I want to say. And when it came out, they put out the multiplayer as free-to-play. And then they also did the Halo Infinite campaign. And I thought the Halo Infinite campaign was fine. I thought the Halo Infinite campaign was fine. I thought the multiplayer was pretty cool, uh, though a little thin and a little lacking in maps and variety and, and, and player progression. And 343 Industries has tried to address that. The problem is, is that, you know, it has taken them a long time to get to a place where Halo Infinite is something that is loved and accepted by a lot of hardcore Halo fans. Um, in a blog post, 343 community writer Alex Wakefold said the company hopes today's launch of the game's major winter update will mark the start of a brighter period for Halo Infinite and the studio alike. Uh, among the features, uh, today's update finally introduces campaign co-op, the Forge open beta, and mission replay, all of which were previously delayed on several occasions. One of the things that, you know, hardcore Halo fans really love is the idea of playing cooperatively through the storyline. Um, they did not launch that feature when the game came out. They also said that they are going to scrap the couch co-op mode. Um, previously, if you were sitting on the couch with a buddy, you could play through the Halo campaign in its entirety sitting on the couch. Now you can't do that. You have to play it online. Um, but that has finally come out. That being said, who hasn't, like, here's the thing I don't get, and I'm not saying that, like, they shouldn't have bothered to do this, but, like, I have already played through that Halo campaign. I am not about to go and replay it with a friend. Like, who was sitting around waiting for this campaign to finish, um, the for the co-op campaign stuff to finish, just to play it with a friend? I don't understand. The release of Halo Infinite has been an absolute mess, um, despite it being a relatively okay game. Uh, for now, the last thing we want is to say thank you for your support over the f past year. We know it certainly hasn't been the smoothest and quickest ride, but with the winter update, we have an opportunity to show our thanks for the community's dedication and feedback, which serves as the North Star guiding us to evolve the player experience for Halo Infinite. You know, there were issues around pro player progression, like you could play a round of, of Halo and and not level up your character, like not make any progress uh, in unlocking new character customization and, and stuff like that. And I really don't know. I really don't know if they're going to be able to get this back on track. The people that are playing that game now are probably monsters. Like if I fired up Halo Infinite right now and played some multiplayer, I'd probably get my ass handed to me, you know, five out of five times. If I played five matches, I'm probably going to lose every single time because the people that are playing it now are monsters. And I understand and I recognize that Halo Infinite is a free-to-play multiplayer shooter. You have to buy the campaign separately, but how many people are you really expecting to get, you know, to come back? Like, I moved on. Like, I was, I, w I wanted, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not even the biggest Halo guy in the world, and I wanted Halo Infinite to be my multiplayer shooter of choice. But I moved on. I'm playing Destiny, right? Like, I'm playing 
the competitive stuff in Destiny now. Like if and if I wasn't playing Destiny, I'd probably be playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Right? I'd rather play, I'd rather go buy Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 than give Halo Infinite a second chance. And I respect and I appreciate that 343 and Microsoft have not given up on Halo. I just feel like we're in a we're very much in a too little too late scenario. Like you can't you can't re-release this game. Like the people that tried it and bounced off of it, they they probably aren't coming back. I would love to know what the numbers are like for Halo Infinite, how the player base is doing, how the player numbers are. But um like I would like to give it a chance, but like I'm looking at this and I'm like what is the fucking point? Like so many other games offer a more rewarding multiplayer experience even if the gameplay isn't as tight of a shooting experience as as halo infinite but you know hey maybe i'll re-download halo infinite maybe i'll see but i have some doubts slightly mad studios which was part of the uh what was the name of codemasters so codemasters was bought by ea uh, back in February of 2021, and that included um, the purchase of Slightly Mad Studios. Slightly Mad Studios um, was purchased by Codemasters a decade earlier and then was then part of the Codemasters sale to Electronic Arts. And uh, Slightly Mad Studios co-founder and former CEO Ian Bell has criticized Electronic Arts following the publisher's decisions a decision to cancel the Project Cars series. Project Cars was kind of a semi, uh, semi racing sim. It was more of a serious type racing game. Um, uh, Project Cars one and two were incredibly well received games. Project Cars three was not an incredibly well received game in any way, shape, or form. Um, and Slightly Mad Studios uh, basically has had the rug pulled out from under them as EA axes the Project Cars series in general, which, I mean, listen, EA makes Burnout. EA, well, EA doesn't make Burnout. They haven't made a Burnout game since Burnout Paradise. And before Burnout Paradise, uh, re sorry, excuse me, the last Burnout game that came out was Burnout, Burnout Paradise Remastered. And before Burnout Paradise Remastered came out, Burnout Paradise was the last game that EA made. So excuse me when I say that EA doesn't make uh, Burnout games. They primarily make uh, Need for Speed games. And again, we're living in a world where some of the best EA uh, Need for Speed games that have come out uh, recently have been remasters of old games like Need for Speed um, Hot Pursuit. Um, maybe Need for Speed Unbound will be good, uh, who knows. But anyways, Slightly Mad Studios is no longer working on Project Cars, and it will have a significant impact on the company's 160-plus uh, workforce. Now, EA has said that those people will be relocated to work on other racing games uh, under different EA development studios, um, but, you know, Bell was not happy with it. You know, Bell left... Uh, Ian Bell left um, slightly mad in October um, to step aside with the studio's future now assured. So he felt pretty confident that the studio was going to be in good hands uh, with EA taking over. And then EA turns around and basically lets go of the projects. It cancels the projects that they were working on and says, you're going to have to go work on racing games uh, for our other studios. Bell tweeted on Tuesday evening, EA, keep on being awesome. I said my bit and I stand by every word as they continue to prove them. How are those numbers? Sorry, I mean people with hopes, dreams, and families looking at the bottom of those spreadsheets. So uh, Ian Bell really taking EA to task with the way that they handled this. Um, but the company said that, you know, following the evaluation of the next Project Cars title and its longer term growth potential, we've made the decision to stop further development and investment in the franchise. Project Cars 3 was pretty bad, so I can understand that they're basing it off of that. But a lot of people were willing to give Project Cars another shot if it was properly funded and developed with EA resources. But it doesn't look like that is going to be happening. Sony has reportedly partnered with NCSoft to make a Horizon MMORPG. MMORPGs, you know them, you love them. We're talking things like Guild Wars 2. We're talking games like World of Warcraft, Star Trek Online, and a variety of other games. 
Um, a lot of games take from MMORPGs. You know, people will say that Destiny 2 is an MMORPG. I would not call Destiny an MMORPG. Partially the reason why is because MMORPGs usually are dealing with player bases uh, that are significantly higher than most of what you would find in Destiny. You know, sure, you can run around the tower in Destiny 2 and, and, and visit a social space. But when you, you know, fire up a game like Guild Wars uh, 2, uh, in some cases, uh, or World of Warcraft, you are seeing, you know, dozens and, and hundreds of players within a variety of Final Fantasy Online, uh, Final Fantasy 14, excuse me. Another great example of like you go into town, you go into the world and you just see a huge sea of people fighting monsters, talking, trading, dancing, you know, looking to group up and, and, and fight bosses together and all that stuff. So, you know, MMORPGs are, are still very influential in the world of gaming today, but they're also highly specific in terms of the scalability uh, of, of player base and, and stuff like that. And Sony has reportedly partnered with NCSoft, the people that make Guild Wars and Lineage, uh, to make a Horizon MMORPG. There's not there's not a lot else to go off of. Um, NCSoft is currently recruiting developers to work on the title, which is said to be listed as Project H in job ads. Uh, a statement from NCSoft's global communication office reportedly read via, uh, via Google Translate. It is difficult to confirm information about unpublished projects that are currently under development. Uh, and also Sir, Sony uh, was contacted for a comment on this report. Uh, Guerrilla Games. The Killzone people are the people that made uh, the 2017 Horizon Zero Dawn and this year's sequel, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, they also have plans to expand the Horizon games into multiplayer, and I'm guessing that maybe an MMORPG is part of it. You know, when I think about what Horizon is, it is a lot of big, bad, you know, monster robots out in a huge open world. So... You can imagine a scenario where they say, well, these monsters are really tough. They're really powerful. They are stronger than a, you know, they're stronger than they were in the Horizon games, meaning that it is going to take more than one person to fight these monsters, hence making it an MMO. It's really hard to say. Um, uh, according, uh, some sources previously told video games chronicles that co-op was initially planned for the first horizon game, but was scrapped so that the, the team could focus on other areas of the title. Uh, they said Sony has been keen to include co-op in forbidden West, but gorilla decided to save the feature for a future project, which they believe would either be a standalone online spinoff or horizon three. Uh, last year, Guerrilla was staffing up for an online game, although it's unclear if the title in question was a Horizon one. They should make a new kill zone, damn it. Enough with this Forza, uh, Forza Horizon. Enough with this Horizon Zero Dawn uh, business. They should make a new kill zone. I would love a new kill zone on PlayStation 5, even though I don't have a PlayStation 5. Um, also, here's to hoping that if that Horizon MMORPG is good, that uh, it comes out and people like it. Here's the hoping it's good. Good news for Activision. Modern Warfare 2 topped $1 billion in sales in 10 days, Activision claims. This has been the most popular, most profitable Call of Duty launch to date. Part of the reason it's profitable is because they're charging more money for it than they were the last time Call of Duty was this popular. Which I guess is not a surprise with inflation and games costing $70, $80, $90, depending on where you are in the world, probably more. Fuck, didn't even think about that. Probably more depending on where you are in the world. There are people who probably have worse uh, worse inflation than Canada, so I shouldn't be complaining that much about Call of Duty costing 100 bucks after tax. But, uh, hey, Modern Warfare 2 is super popular, y'all. So much so that uh, it has reached $1 billion in sales. Now, in comparison, uh, 2012's Black Ops 2 took 15 days to reach 1 billion in sales. So, call, you know, Call of Duty continuing to smash its own records. Um, Activision has said over 200 million hours were spent playing over 1 billion Modern Warfare 2 matches across PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. I don't know what to tell you. The game is hot. People love that Modern Warfare 2, and the sales numbers show. Um, 
While not sales related because the game is free to play, uh, Overwatch 2 topped 35 million players in its first month. The free-to-play shooter was released earlier in October. Um, Overwatch 2 is out now. It is out as a free-to-play game on PC, Xbox Series S and X, Xbox One, PS5, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. And in its first month, uh, it saw 35 million players, which is uh, kind of cool. Uh, good for them. I would love to see how that uh, continues because when people finally got around to playing Overwatch 2, uh, when they weren't being kicked out of the servers and having connection issues, people were like, uh, Overwatch 2 is whatever. Like, Overwatch 2 is whatever. I don't know why they called it Overwatch 2. It mostly resembles Overwatch 1. Um, but still, 35 million players will see what the next couple of months are like for that game. Uh, the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake has not been cancelled, according to Ubisoft. Uh, Ubisoft Montreal took over the development duties of that game earlier this year. And as of right now, the Prince of Persia remake has not been cancelled. I repeat, if you thought it was cancelled, apparently it's not. The publisher, Ubisoft, has discussed the state of the game in an update designed to address a lot of questions it has been receiving about uh, about the game. Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake is not cancelled. The game is currently in development at Ubisoft Montreal. Um, at the moment, a new release date has not been set. We will provide new information on what front when we are on that front when we are ready. One of the things to note is that they were taking pre-orders for this game and they were saying, hey, it's going to come out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox Series, uh, sorry, Xbox One and PC and stuff like that. And they basically canceled uh, people's pre-orders and refunded them all their money. So if you had pre-ordered the game, you got your money back. And people were like, well, if they're canceling pre-orders and giving people their money back, what the fuck is going on with this game? And here's what I think is going on. I think Ubisoft doesn't know what consoles this game is even going to come out on. So I don't think Ubisoft is in a position where they can confidently take people's money for an unreleased game when they don't know what consoles the game is going to release on when it inevitably eventually releases. So I don't think we necessarily have anything to be worried about in terms of Prince of Persia uh, coming out. I just don't think Ubisoft knows when it is going to uh, come out. This game was originally announced in September of 2020. It is now November 2022, and they still don't have a date. Uh, sometimes with remakes, they don't take as long to come out as, you know, newer titles or sequels and stuff like that. Well, sometimes with sequels, uh, games can come out a little bit faster because they are using a lot of pre-existing technology. You know, it's not like they built Rag you know, God of War Ragnarok from the ground up uh, in terms of, you know, redoing any tools and, and art and, and uh, you know, ideas, you know, God of War Ragnarok, for all intents and purposes, is very similar to God of War, which probably made it easier to uh, make in a timely manner compared to the previous God of War games. Again, we talked about, you know, earlier on the podcast, we talked about uh, Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal has the same shotgun in it that Doom 2016 had, for example, right? Like, you know, a lot of that stuff is is similar uh, to some extent. Um, and you, and you see that in a variety of games. Um, so when it is a remake, you know, similar idea where it might be a little bit faster to make than if they were building a brand new Prince of Persia game from the ground up. Diablo four is apparently coming out and apparently it's coming out April, 2023. There's also a possibility that it'll be shown at the game awards game awards. 2022 are taking place December 8th. We'll talk about that and, and cover that show when it, uh, when it happens. But, uh, that is kind of all we have to go off of is that apparently, you know, Diablo is eventually going to make its way out on consoles and on PC. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope it's good. People are shitting all over it because, you know, Diablo Immortal wasn't so hot and Overwatch 2 isn't so hot and Blizzard just kind of in an awkward rough spot. But I don't know, man, I'm, I'm pulling for Diablo 4. I hope it's good because I'm really looking forward to it. And Diablo 3 is an incredible game. Uh, despite, you know, the way it originally came out and, and stuff like that, they originally got they, you know, they eventually got Diablo 3 to a really fantastic uh, place and new release date for it is reportedly 
April 2023. We got some TV and uh, and uh, movies news here. Netflix. If you haven't canceled Netflix, maybe you should wait because Netflix has announced a live action Gears of War film and an animated series. Uh, Netflix has announced a live action Gears of War film and an animated series. My only real thoughts on it is cast Dave Batista as Marcus Phoenix. Damn it. The streaming giant reveals projects to coincide with the franchise's 16th anniversary. It said the movie will be followed by a Gears of War adult animated series and possibly further projects. People seem to really like a lot of the stuff that Netflix is doing around its, you know, you know, games, you know, around game uh, TV shows and game movies. You know, Netflix is also very much pushing in games in terms of having their own games and having their own game, you know, kind of service available. But they're also trying to cater to fans who like, you know, like Gears of War or like Cyberpunk or like Dota or whatever in terms of making relatively high quality and, and, and critically acclaimed um, movies and TV shows. Um, that being said, not all of these have been great. I mean, that Resident Evil show didn't last very long, did it? <laughs> it did not last very long. I didn't last long watching it. Ooh, I got through one episode and I was like, you know what? Mm -mm. I love, uh, I love Lance Reddick. I love Lance Reddick. He's an incredible actor. Loved him in The Wire. Loved him in John Wick. Hell, I love him in Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, Destiny 2. But him as Albert Wesker. No good in uh, in uh, that Resident Evil show. But anyways, people seem to really like that uh, cyberpunk show. Um, I'm looking forward to this kind of. I hope it is good. I don't know if I necessarily need an adult animated series about God of uh, about Gears of War, but if they're going to God of War, Gears of War, excuse me. Um, uh, Dave Bautista, who appeared in Gears 5, has previously expressed an interest in portraying the series protagonist Marcus Phoenix, and I say let him do it. He's literally the perfect guy. When I think about like roles that, act, you know, I feel like every actor, you know, has at least a couple of roles in their life that they were like, they were put on this planet to do whether it ends up being a great performance or not, uh, you know, remains to be seen. But I think Dave Batista is the perfect guy to play Marcus Phoenix. I hope they get him to do it. I hope they give this movie a big budget and it is good. Um, but who knows? Lionsgate, you know, uh, production company, Lionsgate movie production company, Lionsgate, wants to make a big AAA game based on John Wick. Now, we already have a John Wick game. The problem is that, A, it's not great. B, it is not a big budget AAA game the way Lionsgate, you know, probably wants it to be presented as. But I don't want people thinking that they can't already go play a John Wick game. You absolutely can. One already exists. It is called John Wick Hex. Now, John Wick Hex is a turn-based strategy game. I'm going to say it again. John Wick Hex is a turn-based strategy game. Um, in John Wick Hex, you are playing as John Wick, um, and you are basically, you know, taking turns navigating through this uh, through these combat scenarios and environments, um, taking out enemies, you have a certain amount of moves and a certain amount of action points that you can spend shooting or reloading your gun or doing hand to hand combat or blocking or, or dodging and, and all this stuff. And it's a cool game. Like it's, it's not bad. Like it makes sense. Like basically if you were to watch a John wick movie in like eight times slow motion, it's it's kind of represented in John Wick Hex. You know, you you are have you have to think tactically around like I only have X amount of guns. I can only, you know, counter this many punches. I can only shoot this many dudes. I can only move these many spaces before they are going to shoot me or do whatever. Um, again, it's not great. It, it, it maybe is a little too slow for its own good. Um, and maybe doesn't fully capture, you know, the, the essence of John Wick, 
Um, but I don't know how you capture the essence of John Wick in a video game. The reason I say that is because the John Wick movies literally already look like a video game. Watch the way Keanu Reeves moves from scene to scene and from, you know, combat scenario to combat scenario. Those movies move like video games. So now we're going to take what already looks like a video game and turn it into a video game. I just don't see I just don't see it working out uh, the way that, uh, you know, Lionsgate imagines it. And I think giving it a big budget isn't necessarily going to make it, you know, immediately a great thing. Because if it is just a standard third-person shooter where you are taking cover and shooting guys, that's not that's not great, right? If they try to go for something realistic where it's like, you know, hey, you have to be very consistent with your bullets, right? You have to be very consistent with your shots. You know, in John Wick, go watch John Wick again if you haven't. It doesn't matter which one. In those movies, John Wick is literally counting every bullet and every shot. He is cold he is calculated he is making every shot count even when he's outmanned even when he's outgunned even when he's doing you know hand-to-hand -hand combat melee combat weapons and you know melee weapons and all that stuff he is incredibly cold and calculated and in most video games you do not have to think that much about the combat scenarios play a game like call of duty you do not have to worry about running out of bullets the way that John Wick has to worry about running out of bullets and stealing the next guy's gun. If they can find a way to take that and put it into a video game, I say more power to them. But again, my philosophy and my feelings on the matter is that John Wick already is a video game. It's just a video game that you watch. So also, if they're going to make a John Wick game, they should base it off of John Wick 1 and then put uh, Kevin Nash in it. That's what I say. If Big Sexy isn't in this uh, John Wick game, what the fuck are we even doing? That is that is that is it for news. Uh, that is it for news. We're going to take a very quick break and we'll be back with more glitch reports. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Glitch Report. My name is Nitwit. You can find everything that I do over at my Linktree, linktree.com slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all of that good stuff. This podcast is available everywhere you get your podcasts. So swing on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, head on over to Spotify, Google. It's on YouTube as well. This podcast is fucking everywhere. Like the plague. Mm, maybe I shouldn't make jokes about that. Let's talk about some of the games that I've been playing as we talked about on the podcast earlier today. Uh, I said that, you know, I talked about how my graphics card crapped out on me on Friday. I did not get this graphics. I did not get my PC fixed until um, Tuesday morning. I did not get my. So basically it was, it was it died Friday morning and I did not have it up and running until Tuesday. So you might be thinking, well, damn, man, that's that's like gaming in the poorhouse or something like what'd you do? Well, I fired up my Nintendo Switch because that's kind of all I had. Um, and one of the games that I played on Nintendo Switch was Overwatch 2. Overwatch 2 is free to play. I downloaded it, fired it up, played a couple games of Overwatch. Uh, I should also mention that I specifically have been playing my Nintendo Switch on my uh, monitor. Been playing on my monitor, uh, been playing, I did not play my Switch at all in handheld mode the entire time I played it. And uh, Overwatch 2 sure is Overwatch. It is very simple. You know, I owned Overwatch 1. I bought Overwatch 1 when it originally came out and played a couple games of it. And I was like, yeah, this game's cool. And then I kind of just fell off of it. Um, going back to it now, now called Overwatch 2, I really don't see much of a difference. I know that there are new characters and new heroes and new maps and... You know, the player progression is different uh, now. Instead of getting loot boxes, it is a battle pass system and you can pay for the premium battle pass or you can just unlock stuff on the free battle pass. And boy, it just seems like Overwatch. I can tell you that the Switch, uh, you know, for these big, you know, triple A 
non-Nintendo made third-party games that this shit looks blurry. Like, I don't want to be a graphic snob. I don't want to be an asshole. Um, but the Nintendo Switch is really producing some real blurry-looking visuals uh, for uh, Overwatch uh, 2. Um, I should also mention I played a little bit of Apex Legends. Apex Legends is the free-to-play battle royale game from Respawn and EA set in the Titanfall uh, universe. Again, another scenario where these free-to-play, you know, uh, shooters look blurry as fuck on the Nintendo Switch. And the reason I bring that up is because if you went and fired up something like Animal Horizon, uh, sorry, uh, Animal, Animal Crossing New Horizon, or uh, any of the Mario games, or you know, any of the Nintendo-made games, with the exception maybe of Bayonetta, though Bayonetta was made by Platinum, not a Nintendo. But go fire up Mario and Rabbids uh, Sparks of Hope. That shit does not look blurry. It is maybe not as crisp, as detailed, as high resolution as something like a PlayStation 5 game or something like that. And and obviously no one is expecting that out of a Switch. The Switch was, you know, relatively old hardware uh, when it came out and now we you know all these years later and it is not it is not putting out banger stuff you are not getting 4k 60 uh out of a nintendo switch but again no one is necessarily expecting that but again overwatch 2 and apex legends looked pretty blurry they looked a little rough uh they ran okay i had some i had some internet connectivity issues uh playing overwatch um which i don't get on other games because i have pretty decent internet and, uh, but I didn't mind what I played of, of Overwatch. It actually made me think like, oh, maybe I should go fire this up on PC. I like playing a so Soldier 76. Uh, Soldier 76 is probably the most meat and potatoes, most basic character in Overwatch. He's a dude that shoots. You know, he's not, he doesn't have some big shield. He's not a big gorilla guy. He's just a dude that shoots. I also like playing as D.Va. D.Va is the, uh, is the mech lady. She pilots that big mech and then you can jump out of the mech and shoot people with your gun and then get back in another mech if you want to. Uh, Overwatch 2 is cool. Like if you, you, it's free. So if you are interested in playing, you know, a free to play multiplayer shooter, you could do a lot worse than Overwatch 2. Um, but again, playing it on Switch, I was like, boy, this kind of looks a little rough. Uh, I imagine it looks a lot better on consoles. Uh, I imagine it looks a lot better on PC. Apex Legends, I did not enjoy my time with Apex Legends. I think part of the reason for that is because Apex Legends is a multiplayer game in which you are forced to play with other people. Now, I know you might be thinking, well, nitwit, what the fuck are you talking about? All multiplayer games force you to play with other people. Not quite the same way that Apex Legends does. So Apex Legends, is the main mode in Apex Legends is a trios squad based game. So it is teams of three uh, dropping on to the Apex Legend uh, island to work together to eliminate the other teammates. Uh, you cannot play it by yourself. I mean, you kind of can, but you would just be outmanned and outgunned immediately. Uh, upon doing so. So the idea is that you are forced to work with these teammates, whether you play with your friends or teammate team up with random people. And to me, I just don't like that style of gameplay. Like I don't mind working with a team, but I want to work with a team as an individual. I don't want to work with a tight knit team. Um, the same way that you have to in, uh, in something like uh, apex legends, you know, I was playing a little bit of destiny Two. Let's get into it. I was playing some Destiny 2 the other day, and I got into some of the competitive uh, stuff in Destiny. You know, I like playing the stories and the story missions. I like doing the cooperative stuff and working with other people, Um, uh, especially because in Destiny 2, it doesn't require a lot of communication. Like in Apex Legends, if you want to su su succeed as a squad, as a unit, you are probably going to want to communicate with other people. And I, that's the thing I don't want to do. Like, I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to shoot. Maybe I'll revive a teammate though. I really don't like reviving my teammates. If you're down, you're down. Okay. What do you think this is? Fuck man. You think I'm uh what the fuck was that movie called? Uh, now I've really gone and done it. What was that movie called with, um, Andrew Garfield about being a medic in world war two, Andrew Garfield. What do you think this is hacksaw ridge there <laughs> i think that joke maybe doesn't land as well uh when i have to like pause and google search it but uh 
I ain't on my hacksaw ridge type shit, okay? I am not here to revive my teammates. I'm not here to rescue my fallen allies. And in Apex Legends, that's the name of the game if you want to survive. In Destiny 2, they have a uh, three versus three mode called Elimination. Very tight maps, very tight corridors. And it's just you shooting the other team. And first to get to five wins is, is it. And uh, that's way more fun than something like Apex Legends. So I'm not even opposed to the idea of working with my teammates. It is just that uh, the way Apex Legends handles it, no good. Forza Horizon 5 has received its ray tracing graphic update. Um, and a game that looks incredible now looks even better. Uh, head on over to my YouTube channel and you can check out my Forza Horizon 5 4K Max Graphics uh, ray tracing video where I show off some of the new lighting conditions in Forza Horizon 5. Uh, that game looks amazing. That game looks amazing, um, and it is still fun as hell. I mean, I feel like I've really gotten a lot out of Forza Horizon 5, so I really don't know how much more I'm going to play of it until the uh, next expansion pack comes out. But Forza Horizon 5, you know, one of my favorite games. Uh, in recent memory, uh, looks absolutely gorgeous. It's a good excuse for me to uh, bust out, you know, this powerful new PC and see what it's capable of doing. Um, but Forza Horizon 5 looks great, and we're going to play Forza Horizon 5 uh, on Friday. So the morning this podcast comes out, swing on over to twitch.tv slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T for Forza Fridays. Last week on the podcast, I talked about how I was going to be covering a bunch of new games and videos. Obviously, I couldn't do that because my PC went to shit, um, but head on over to my YouTube channel. We're going to have a wide variety of videos uh, covering some of the most recent games uh, coming out throughout this week. I am going to and I'm going to say it right now. This is it. I'm going to I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. Head on over to my YouTube channel, uh, you know, starting Friday. You're going to see Return to Monkey Island gameplay videos. You're going to also play a little bit of Signalis. I'm uh, going to play a little bit of Frog Detective and maybe a couple other things. So that is going to do it for the podcast. I have been Nitwit. You can find me all over the internet at my Linktree. Linktree.com slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all of that good stuff. And make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Help support the videos. Uh, become a follower of mine over at my Twitch channel. Live every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We will be back with Glitch Report next week, assuming nothing else on my PC goes to shit. <laughs> we will be back with more podcasts next week. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this podcast with any friends and family that are interested in games, looking to get a little bit of gaming news uh, on a weekly basis. And come on back next week for more Glitch Report. Take it easy. Thank you.